Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing Beach Read by Emily Henry. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion. What are you drinking, Heather? This morning I went to Dunkin' and got an iced salted caramel coffee because I felt like being wild today and doing salted instead of regular. And it's delicious. Oh, that sounds nice. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. Nice and simple today. I got my huge. I did my Starbucks walk and I got my blonde latte with toffee nut and sugar-free vanilla. But I did a grande today, which I feel like in a couple hours I'm going to regret. But we have to run out and do errands, so I can always get a second fuel I was going to say, if you know you're going to go out and run <laughs> errands, because I am guilty of every time I leave the house, I think I need a nice coffee. Like, I'm literally that meme. And I'm like, I don't need a nice coffee. Oh, yeah. If the sun the house, is shining. I, do. I just need it. It doesn't even matter. It could be raining. It could be the dead of winter. And I'm like, you know what I deserve? I deserve a little special treat in the form of iced coffee. <laughs> I mean, you do deserve it. I'm not going to argue yeah. with you there. But it is a habit to try and break that every yes, time considering... you get in the car, it doesn't automatically. You know how Apple Maps tells you the time to get to wherever you're yeah. normally going in that time when you get in the car, which first of all, I hate because like, stop stalking me. But if every time it's telling you the distance to Starbucks or Dunkin, it might be too much. I know. It usually tells me Acme because the Dunkin is in the Acme parking lot. And we also go to Acme a lot. So I'm like, well, maybe it doesn't know exactly where I'm going, but still. Okay, fair enough. All right. So cheers. Cheers. Okay, so Emily Henry was first published in 2016 and was primarily writing YA novels, which I didn't know about. And Beach Read was actually her first adult romance. And she now has four New York Times bestselling romance books, three of which have been optioned for film adaptations, including Beach Read. But all of them, yeah, but all of them are in such early development that she's, Henry has said herself that she doesn't even have her hopes that high yet. Mm -hmm. I saw that recently. I think it was in April of this year, they had assigned a director to Beach Read, but they don't even really know who's like what studio or, you know, anything like that. So it's still very, very early in the works. I think that these companies just buy the rights to it just so they can hold them. And then eventually they exactly. might make and a then, movie or they might not. And then they can do it when they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because you would think they'd want to like ride the hype when they could. But I know that it takes a long time to make a movie. So whatever. I'm not <laughs> in the movie biz for several reasons. Before I start talking about things I know nothing about. Beach Read was published in 2020. And it was nominated for the Goodreads Best Romance Award. Which it didn't win. It came in second. But it's funny because Emily Henry won in 2021 and 2022 for two of her other romance novels nice so she just had like that one year she came in second then the next year she took it and the year after she took it and she'll probably so, take it again now in 2023 with happy place exactly so can you imagine <laughs> three and a half in a row i know that's crazy <laughs> so i think we just need to get right into it because despite this being a contemporary romance titled beach read there's a lot to discuss so here's our Goodreads summary, obviously. A romance writer who no longer believes in love and a literary writer stuck in a rut engage in a summer-long challenge that may just upend everything they believe about happily ever afters. Augustus Everett is an acclaimed author of literary fiction. January Andrews writes best-selling romance. When she pens a happily ever after, he kills off his entire cast. They're polar opposites. In fact, the only thing they have in common is that for the next three months, they're living in neighboring beach houses, broke and bogged down with writer's block. Until one hazy evening, 
One thing leads to another, and they strike a deal designed to force them out of their creative ruts. Augustus will spend the summer writing something happy, and January will pen the next great American novel. She'll take him on field trips worthy of any rom-com montage, and he'll take her to interview surviving members of a backwoods death cult, obviously. Everyone will finish a book, and no one will fall in love. Really. So this is a cute little blurb. Although it it says that they're both broke, which is not true as far as I know. Also, to my surprise, this book doesn't really take place on a beach that much. It does not. It sounds like Lake Michigan or something, right? Yeah. And they live like, it's on in the Michigan beach. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> but they never go to the beach. And she even says, January says at one point, yeah, we never really go to the beach. And I'm like, Emily Henry, you are trying to trick me to buy this to read on the beach because you called it beach read. And mm-hmm. I would argue that this is kind of an intense book for a beach read. Agreed. But- and I also think the cover of the book is very misleading as well. It has that kind of cartoonish look where you think it's going to be like this cheesy rom-com when Mm -hmm. in fact it is emotional and very deep (laughs) just sitting there reading on beach towels which they don't never once does a beach towel the very end they do like the last chap on the epilogue they're on the beach they're on like the beach reading it's like the winter or something it's not even beach time but also all of her covers are like this he said the cartoony you know, you think it's going to be cheesy. And apparently I have, this is the only one that I have read, but apparently they're all a lot deeper than just a cheesy rom-com. So she's just out here trying to trick us. (laughs) Anyway, to the beach read, which is not a beach read. Let's talk about our main characters. There's January. She's a women's fiction writer, which she hates that title, with the perfect life. And it all comes crashing down when her dad dies suddenly. And she finds out that her perfect dad had a secret mistress and her mom knew and kept up the perfect family facade. For some reason, January is now broke and homeless. And she moves into the beach house that her dad owned and shared with his mistress. Already uncomfortable start. I had a lot of questions. The only option was for her to live in this house that he had with his mistress? Well, I guess because she didn't have to pay to stay there and she had nowhere else to go, technically. Why doesn't she have any money? Is she getting royalties from her past books? Where's the money? It seems like she probably hasn't written a book in a while is what it kind of seemed like. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure whatever advance she got, I mean, she was living in New York and New York's not cheap. So I'm sure whatever advance she got, she probably went through and she wasn't producing any work to get more money. Gosh, I think she needs to renegotiate her royalties contract because she's not getting paid enough for that. Anyway, so she's clearly struggling. She has an alcohol problem. She has this writer's block. She's dodging emails from her editor. And we get the impression that she's just a mess, but recently has become a mess. So what was your first impression of January? I liked her. I did. I I agree with you. I, was, I thought the whole thing was weird that she was, she seemed like this super well-known author that was doing well. And I thought it was kind of weird that she like said like she had like no money. And also her like dad just died. And you're like, I know he left her the house or whatever. But it's also kind of like he didn't leave you like any money either. <laughs> but you could already tell from like how the book started that it obviously was going to be a little bit more traumatic than what you're expecting going into this book, like I said before. But I, I did like her. And then I kind of I like that they also didn't drag it out that the author didn't drag out her kind of self-pitying stuff. Yeah, I was pissed because I thought that they were going to go with this like alcoholic woman trope. Mm -hmm. 
So Same. I was like pissed at first, but then I was like, oh, we're not reading a mystery thriller. So yeah. that's not a thing. No, that's why I was kind of, because sometimes it's like you have, like we have, like we always talk about, you have these women characters and they kind of make them one dimensional and they definitely mm-hmm. took January's character. And I love how freaking funny she was. She was written so oh, well yeah. and her humor was really, really spot on. I like how she was written and I like yeah. that it was not just one dimensional at all. Yeah, that's very true. So then we meet Gus our other main character, the next door neighbor who seems kind of standoffish and January doesn't get or make the best first impression. She snaps at him for throwing a party and having super loud music and she just kind of lost her filter when everything happened with her dad. So here's a quote that kind of gives us the rundown of why she's really going through it. Quote, Sorry, I imagine myself saying, I didn't mean to transform into a crotchety grandmother. It's just my dad died and then I found out he had a mistress and a second house and then my mom knew and never told me and she still won't talk to me about any of it. When I finally came apart, my boyfriend decided he didn't love me anymore and my career has stalled and my best friend lives too far away and P.S. This is the aforementioned sex house and I used to like parties, but lately I don't like anything. I also love that they, they they continuously call this house like a sex dungeon. Like there's like a sex dungeon in the basement. <laughs> that cracked me up. But no, that's actually perfect. That's actually like a per- like that was a perfect description that the author does of like what's yeah, to Yeah, it really sums everything up. And it also introduces you very early to January just has so many thoughts and like kind of word vomit. So this is uh-huh. just one really long run on sentence. But like, this is how she thinks. Yeah. So let's dive into her background a little bit and why she has this writer's block. Because like you said, she hasn't written a book in a while. Her publisher is waiting for a new book. She got an advance for it. They keep giving her these deadlines. She's dodging these emails, but she cannot write. Like she sits down every day and she just cannot make herself do it. So her mom struggled with cancer several times and her family really banded together and stayed strong while she got through it each time. And January remembers seeing her parents being so happy despite all the uncertainty and the pain with the cancer. And that's what made her believe in happy endings. After she sees a private moment of her parents dancing together, just looking perfectly in love, she says... Quote, and that was the moment I realized when the world felt dark and scary, love could whisk you off to go dancing. Laughter could take some of the pain away. Beauty could punch holes in your fear. I decided then that my life would be full of all three, not just for my own benefit, but for my mom's and for everyone else around me. And that's why she became a romance writer, because she Mm -hmm. saw how in love they were and how much stronger all of this opposition made them. But January's worldviews changed since her dad died because not only does she realize that the happy ending that she truly believed in and that she was modeling all of her books after and modeling her career after, it was tainted by her dad's infidelity. And she can't fully go through the stages of grief because her dad isn't here to explain himself or for her to get answers. And her mom refuses to talk to her about it. So she's just left with all these unresolved feelings that basically make her numb because she refuses to feel them. Yes, 100% agree. That's a perfect description of it. So it's kind of like she spent her entire life for 29 years or 28 years, maybe when this book starts, thinking that she had this perfect family and her mm-hmm. parents were so in love and that real love is you know, possible and all this. And then basically flip of a switch. And she yeah. loses her dad really unexpectedly. He wasn't the one struggling with cancer. He died of like a heart attack I know. unexpectedly. It was, it was like a plot twist because it was the mom who's been sick mm-hmm. for a majority of her life. So you would think that she would be the one to go. And, and it's unfortunate that's her, that it's her dad because... 
throughout the entire book, regardless of the what she knows now about her dad, she had such a close relationship with her father. She was clearly a daddy's girl. So to know Absolutely. that the man that you've looked up to your entire life is actually someone else is a hard and hard a hard ideal to rectify and try to Absolutely. She has to like reflect back and think back on like, who her dad was and did she actually really know him because she finds out that he had this kind of second life that she had no idea about. Exactly. And like we said, he's not there to explain it. She can't yell at him and say, how could you do this to me? Yeah. He's not there to own up to his shit. So that makes it a billion times harder. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Gus is the complete opposite. He's a realist. He writes serious literary fiction. We find out that Gus and January knew each other in college, although she doesn't think that he remembers her. And her impression was that he was a pompous asshole. He was always critiquing her work more harshly than anyone else's in their writing classes. He would date girls for two weeks max and then move on to the next. Like she just does not have a great view of him and his personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she also insinuates that he would be incapable of change and he is still the exact same person that he was in college. I know. It was interesting for me reading about Gus because, again, you look at the back of the book and then you see, you read her description of him, like how she views him initially. And so you kind of think of him as one way. And Mm -hmm. then I'm reading the book and I'm like, oh, no, like he's actually something completely different. Mm -hmm. I was expecting him to be this asshole character that was really hard around the edges and wouldn't ever open up about anything Mm -hmm. when he's actually the complete total freaking opposite (laughs) hold on don't get ahead of yourself okay he's still an asshole right now we haven't gotten to his transformation yet (laughs) i know but i was it was it was a pleasant surprise for me okay i have i promise this is the last quote for a little while but i literally i read this over like six times because it feels like he plucked it out of my brain so gus (laughs) says Life is pretty much a series of good and bad moments right up until the moment you die, which is arguably a bad one. Love doesn't change that. I have a hard time suspending my disbelief. Besides, can you think of a single real life romance that actually ended like Bridget fucking Jones? And this just like summarizes exactly why he has this opposite viewpoint than January. So I have to stop for a moment and ask one of the discussion questions from the end of the book because it can't wait until the end. So Heather, is your worldview more like Gus's or January's? Do you tend to be more optimistic or pessimistic? Has that changed with time and experience? I mean, I think by now we should know that I'm definitely a January. (laughs) Absolutely. I was a hopeless romantic my entire teenage, early adolescent life. Couldn't wait to fall in love and everything. So, and obviously now I I still, now I firmly believe in it considering I found the love of my life, but it's never easy. Mm -hmm. It's so funny because I also see you completely as January, Mm -hmm. hopeless romantic You've obviously been through shit, but you still have this positive outlook. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm Gus, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Basically, we're all going to die anyway. (laughs) Life can really, really suck sometimes. You just have to enjoy the ride. I definitely am more pessimistic most of the time. And I always have been. I mean, I was a true emo teen, but I've also been hardened a lot by life experiences. Like Mm -hmm. every time I thought things were going to work out, I was proven wrong. And instead of still believing, I just have very low expectations, which sounds depressing. But I mean, I am living just fine. I think you are also living just fine. You could be a lot worse off. I think that you're... 
like you are a pessimist, but you have like a little bit of optimism thrown in there, but very little. It's like a sliver. It's therapy, and yes. mm-hmm. we're working on it. And you if know, you didn't have that, then yeah, you, you you would be like Scrooge, but you know, like a hermit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. So, mm-hmm. imagine how I was before I started going to therapy. Anyway, <laughs> back to our optimist January and our pessimist gust. Mm-hmm. So, events occur to get them in the same place. Yeah. Tons of shade being thrown with their first like in-person interaction aside from the balcony yelling. There's the book club night at Pete's, which is the cafe slash bookstore in this tiny town where January is drinking purse wine, which is actually so funny to me. I love that. And they that make it a be- very amazing. big deal. And uh-huh. she's just like turns her head to her tote bag and just like takes a sip of her purse wine. I'm like, that's iconic. They end up at the greasy donut shop. That's like their first one-on-one interaction, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, they make the bet. He has to write a romance and she has to write great literary fiction. And the loser will have to promote the winner's book. Mm -hmm. So his research consists of meeting with cult members, which he has uh, interviews lined up for for his next book. Which is really for him to figure out why his mom never left his toxic dad before she died, which is a little bit of a stretch for me, but I love cults, so I wasn't mad about it. I know. I was kind of like, oh, this is like a nice little Easter egg for us because we like cults and true crime and everything. So even though we're reading a romance novel, I was like, oh, there's still a little bit of us in this book, ironically, which I didn't know. That's that's what I liked (laughs) even from... Like, they alluded to it on the summary blurb, and I was like, oh, okay, like, this actually does sound like a book that I'm going to like. Yeah. And then her research is movies, carnivals, line dancing. Their dialogue at these events is so damn good, and their banter is so witty, and I just love how easily they tease each other and how quick-witted their characters are written. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they're hilarious. Like, they're funny as shit. I know. I loved it. Uh, January starts to find out that Gus has a lot of secrets. He was divorced, which she never saw coming. And his aunt is Pete, who runs the cafe and the bookstore. And he moved to this town to be closer to her and her wife because he doesn't really have his Mm -hmm. mom and dad anymore. Side note, I hate the agonizing beginning of love stories where the leads banter and tease each other and are sometimes outright cruel and you just have to be patient knowing they'll end up together. And yes, I also understand that it is 100% necessary to the story, but it still frustrates me. <laughs> Fair. Like that's the whole fucking point. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, you know, it's going to happen. Like, just jump to it, please. No, because you have so to have anyway, the angst. The angst is the best part. I I would argue. I know, but I love not. it. But I love the <laughs> angst. And then it's and then they finally realize all along it was each other. And then... Also, the events that take place during the buildup are entertaining. Like yeah. I said, the line dancing and even the cult interviews and stuff like that. It's not like they're just sitting around and every time having more sexual tension. Like they're actually doing things mm-hmm. that are part of the story. And meanwhile, the whole time we're getting glimpses into the book that January is working on, which I also thought was really cool. So slowly their relationship builds. January is super 
attracted to him and keeps flashing back to one night in college where they were basically in some frat basement drinking jungle juice and dry humping on the dance floor. (laughs) But but dancing, grinding, probably to Yeah by Usher. I don't know what they were listening to. I'm just guessing. But that's a lot of interaction to just pretend it never happened. Mm -hmm. So she thinks that there's no way Gus feels the same way. So she just tries not to blush every time he's around. And then obviously very cute things start happening. They each are working on their new books. So they spend the mornings and afternoons writing and their desks face each other's windows. So they start writing notes and holding them up for each other a la the Taylor Swift music video. Which I loved. This was so cute and I really enjoyed it that (laughs) i agree i thought this was really cute too Mm -hmm. and like it sounds corny but it wasn't like it was cute especially like the notes they were writing to each other because it could have been you know bland or whatever but they again Mm -hmm. there was humor throughout those notes to each other as well yeah and even some of them were kind of like cutting like he would make a joke about like a Uh typical rom-com and she would say some deep quote from literary fiction like Uh some of them were really funny (laughs) yeah So I loved this part of it. And as they spend more and more time together, the sexual tension is building. They make out, but it gets interrupted. There's a lot of suggestive touching, but every time they're either interrupted or they stop. And then finally, in the creepy basement, aka sex dungeon, but actually in his house against a bookshelf because they had to change locations in the middle, they finally (laughs) do it. Finally. (laughs) I just have to say they don't actually have sex until page 250 of yeah. this 400 page book. But this That's is a normal it, thing, right? That is a normal thing. Unless it's strictly a smutty romance book, you're not going to get mm. the sex until mid mid to end of book because the entire 50% that you read in the beginning is my favorite part, the angst and the when will they, when will it happen and the anticipation of when are they going to kiss. <laughs> Okay, so how did you feel about this payoff, about this being their first time? Um, So I actually was kind of surprised when it happened. I wasn't expecting that at all. Like I knew, I mean, obviously I knew they eventually were going to get together because duh, it's, it's a romance novel. But I was kind of surprised at the location and the time that it happened. Mm-hmm. I liked when they were at the, the drive-in, which I thought it was funny that Gus's character was like disgusted by Meg Ryan. I'm like, why? <laughs> That was funny. Yeah. He had like a really weird hatred for Ben. Yeah, Ryan. and I like I liked the anticipation of that scene, and then knowing that they were like in close quarters in this car, and they're watching these romantic movies, and January could feel that Gus was constantly looking at her, and they're just you know they're touching, but they're not touching, and so the mm-hmm. when they like made out in that that scene, I was like, this is I love this. This is great. Mm-hmm. But when you get to like the basement scene, I just kind of was like, wasn't expecting it. And I was like, okay, that was kind of a letdown for me. But I still enjoyed it, obviously. I'm glad they like hooked up. I agree. Because they would have actually done it in the basement if he had a condom with him. So I'm happy. I thought it was super weird and unexpected also that it was happening at that moment. But then when they go back to his house and she like, he pushes her up against the bookshelf and she's like, oh my God, do you do this all the time? Are your books behind my head right now? Because he also has like the bowl of condoms like on the bookshelf. So it's it's just kind of like an ego thing. Like, do you like need to like have sex on your books? (laughs) 
yeah yeah so i liked i liked the second half of their little tryst because it went back to their really funny banter Mm -hmm. and it felt more like them but the basement thing like she was just describing this like creepy cold dark basement imagine that sounds icky i don't like it yeah i don't know and i just kind of thought that there was no i was almost disappointed because there was no lead up to it happening it was just he randomly came into the house went down to the basement and it was funny Mm because she was like oh was that like your plan all along to like come in like to the basement and just like seduce me which that was funny but like there really wasn't there's a certain build-up that i like in a romance novel that i just didn't get from this specific sex scene but the ones in later on in the book i did like but this one i just kind of was like Mm -hmm. oh okay like it's happening and all right i guess And even the other scenes, like you said, in the car, but even other scenes before they actually have sex, there's a lot of buildup. There so is. Th- it was weird that is. this was the only one that there wasn't. Kind of weird because it's the first time. So I just was kind of like expecting yeah. a little bit more. I'm thinking that she probably wrote it that way on purpose. Like this tension has been building for probably. this long that it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're absolutely. just ready to explode. Yeah. <laughs> so afterwards, Gus starts to act exactly as January expected. He starts to distance himself. He starts to act a little cold towards her and we find out that it's because he's actually had a crush on January since that night at the frat house and unlike her he doesn't believe in happy endings so he had a really rough childhood he had an abusive father he lost his mom but he still has unresolved feelings toward her because she didn't leave the father and she kept them in that toxic environment oh and also his wife left him on his birthday to be with his best friend who was the best man at their wedding so which is like again kind of like a typical trope you know yes typical typical trope (laughs) a little icing on top that we didn't need but it was okay it added to this whole yeah no shit he doesn't believe in happy endings are you kidding Mm -hmm. me So he thinks that not only is he not worthy of being loved, but he also can't love January the way that she wants to be loved. Mm -hmm. So he has this whole inner struggle that she reads as, oh, he finally got what he wanted. So now he's done with me when really he's just trying to distance himself because he doesn't want to get hurt and he doesn't want to hurt her. Yeah. So January has this idea that Gus thinks that he's better than her because she's enough, she's naive enough to believe in happy endings. But it turns out that he admires that about her. Here's a little blurb where she kind of confronts him about the way he sees her. She says, bullshit, you called me a fairy princess. He responds, because you're the bright light. Don't you get it? It's not about what happened. It's about how you cope with things, who you are. You've always been this fierce fucking light. And even when you're at your worst, when you feel angry and broken, you still know how to be a person, how to tell people you love them. I love that. So he's actually jealous of this quality of hers. I also feel like he just really sees her. And there's not really any other characters in the book that see her like, well, except for her best friend. But that really, mm-hmm. like, it's, I feel like this is the first guy in her life that actually sees her for who she is. 1000%. And she's also very self-deprecating. And she does allude to the fact that because of the industry that she's in, because of this, you know, women's fiction that she's always kind of put down and people don't think that she's talented because of it mm-hmm. and all of these things. And he actually sees her for being so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just see oh my god you're so stupid for believing in a happily ever after it's not like that at all it's that he admires that she feels like that but he can't comprehend it because he's never seen anything like that in his life 
No, because again, like she comes from this, these parents that seem to be in a happy, healthy home, whereas he comes from a a relationship where his dad was abusive and his mom stuck around and he couldn't comprehend how she could stay with someone that was not only abusing her, but also hurting him. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So after they kind of hash it out, they decide to take things slow. Once Gus realizes that January just wants to keep getting to know him little by little, and she's not expecting the world. And once January realizes that Gus is just scared of his own damn feelings, mm-hmm. and things are going well for a little while, they're writing, they're banging, they're canoodling. Then more events occur to obviously complicate the budding romance. Yep, the third so, act breakup scene, which everyone freaking hates. <laughs> and this well, one—that's a breakup scene. Was but you a know doozy. What I mean. Yeah, I know it was. <laughs> I I was losing hope there for a little while. Okay, mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to have a happy ending because I know how these books yeah. work. But still, I was losing hope. So Pete signs them up to do a double book signing at the bookstore slash coffee shop. Which, and by the way, I would love to own like a bookstop, bookstore slash cafe. This is literally the way I tell Eric all the time. I was like, the cafe will be like for jams and coffee. And it will also have mm-hmm. like a little like used thrift bookstore. It'll be super cute. <laughs> With cats. Yes, but the quality of the coffee at this coffee oh, shop. Oh, no, I know. No. (laughs) It's a travesty. It is. An actual travesty. We would never survive. No, 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 no. So Naomi, Gus's ex-wife, randomly shows up to the book signing because why wouldn't she? So January doesn't know what to do and just leaves and then goes home to find Sonia, her dad's mistress, standing on her porch. And she is like, Oh my God, you're the last thing I need right now, girl. And Sonia is like, no, bitch, Mm -hmm. you're going to listen to me. Long story short, Sonia is like, I'm sorry, I'm hurting too. You're lucky you still have a piece of him, you selfish girl. And January is like, come again? And Sonia is like, the letters, you ding dong. And January is all confused. She has one letter from her dad buried in a box that was given to her when he died. And she's been too scared to open it. She's scared because of what it will say, but also scared because it's the last piece that she has of him. And she's terrified that by reading it, she'll feel like he's really gone. So after this interaction, she goes to read the letter, which leads her to the safe, which leads her to the stack of papers and a boat key. My dude had a whole ass boat and she's Mm -hmm. over here not able to afford groceries. So he left her a house and a boat, but he couldn't leave her some cash. Okay. Anyway, anywho, that's not the point. It turns out that there's actually a ton of letters. Mm -hmm. He'd been writing her a letter every single year for her birthday. And in those letters, he confesses his sins. Every last one of them. He explains why he turned to Sonia, how horrible he felt, how from the moment she was born, all he knew how to be and all he wanted to be was her dad. And he did the same thing January did. He put on a brave face for the family, but then he escaped to his beach house and reunited with his first love and things happened and he led her along and he hurt her and he kind of used her. And all of this just paints him in such a bad light, but it's also answering all of the questions she's had. 
that she would never have been able to ask him. Yeah, which was nice because her her whole grief throughout this book is the fact that she can never talk to him again and find out how this man that she built up in her this man not even this man she built up in her mind this man who he was because he was who he was to her throughout her entire life was actually doing something that she couldn't comprehend and so now she has the opportunity to kind of see why he did what he did but it was really just in his own words like yeah and it was just really touching to see that the best thing that he ever did in his life was be like her dad Mm -hmm. it was a nice it was like a nice like dad trope you know usually you don't get those either way (laughs) and some of the some of the letters were a little corny like something a dad would say like Uh oh you learned how to ride a bike today oh i had my first kiss at that same place like they were just (sighs) he some of them he didn't know what to say but he still wrote the letter. He still wrote it, and I still cried reading all these letters. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just sobbing. Yeah, this was this was super powerful because the whole book has just been leading up. To, it's just been building this grief, and every time January actually says in her mind, like, "I'm not going to feel this. I'm going to shove this down because I can't feel this because I can't let myself feel all these emotions. I don't know how to deal with it." So it's just been building, 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 and then finally she's confronting it head on in a way that I think is the most therapeutic way that could have happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because even if her mom had finally decided to talk to her about it, it still wouldn't have been in his own words. It still wouldn't have answered all of her questions because it still wouldn't have been from his point of view. No, and I also like that pre- her finding the letters, she, for the bet, the book that she was writing, I like that she, that was her way to express her grief and her struggle with knowing the man that she grew up with was someone different in a sense and she had no one to talk to it about because like we said her mom wouldn't talk to her she's not going to talk to Sonia because no Mm -hmm. you know so she has nobody Mm -hmm. that understands or could help her sort through her feelings so I liked that the book that she wrote was her way of dealing with that grief and with that revelation. It's actually so cool because at first she writes some notes and it's exactly her life story, like with the names and everything. And then she just slowly starts changing things little by little. And then it just uh-huh. ends up being about a Carney family, like in the Which traveling is like circus. Amazing. And I'm like, itself, you know, it's so good. Because you can... Yeah. You can take a situation that you've had personal experience with, but you can twist it and form it into something else, which is what's beautiful about storytelling. And so mm-hmm. it was, I really, really liked that aspect of the book, that the book that she was writing for the bet was actually kind of amazing for her because it was a way yeah. for her to express her feelings. It was, it was therapeutic in a sense. Absolutely. And she put a piece of herself into that book, even though at first Mm -hmm. glance, you would think that she has absolutely nothing in common with any character in that book. So I really like that too. So as she's sitting on the boat, the boat that he has, the boat, I don't know if you realize that he has a boat that she didn't know about. Anyway, also no one in the town was like, hey, January, what about your dad's boat? Whatever. Anywho. So as she's sitting on the boat with the letters, she says, I felt so lost again. Every time I started to find my way, I seemed to slip further down. How could I trust my own feelings? People were complicated. They weren't math problems. They were collections of feelings and decisions and dumb luck. The world was complicated too. Not a beautifully hazy French film, but a disastrous, horrible mess speckled with brilliance and love and meaning. I love that quote. I love this. 
I loved it mm-hmm. so much because it's so this is so indicative of her transformation. She went from one extreme to the other and now she's finally settling in this middle happy place realizing that you can have happiness but that it's going to be messy and it's not going to be easy and not every not everyone can live up to the expectations that you have of them. So do you think that January truly forgave her dad and do you think he deserved for her to forgive him? I don't know if she truly forgave him I think but I think that she was able to because she found those letters she was able to kind of understand where he was coming from and because it's hard it's hard to it's hard to forgive your parents when they do something to their other parent or when they do Mm -hmm. something that's kind of you don't agree with but I think that she gave him grace in a sense so and I and I do think that he not that he deserves her forgiveness, but he explains to her, you know, because then he was obviously having a rough patch with her mom at one point, And then he reconnects with this, you know, teenage relationship that he had. And did he stop it when he got back together with the mom? It, it seemed like he did, but he didn't. I don't know. It was kind of also hard to tell exactly because when he went back to to January's mom, it seemed like him and Sonia were over, but also not over i don't know it was kind of weird i couldn't it was coinciding yeah Yeah. it was coinciding with her diagnoses so every time she would get sick again he would basically drop sonia and then once things were good again he would go back to sonia and so that's why he was kind of leading her along also because she really Mm -hmm. did love him i also think january not owes sonia a conversation after reading the letters but maybe just a conversation with herself It wasn't this drawn out, intense love affair that January had in her head. The dad hurt Sonia too, and she was suffering from his loss too. And I'm not saying they should be best friends, but it was unfair for January to want to blame Sonia just because she couldn't blame her dad. But I think that that was that was her way of coping with it because she couldn't she Mm -hmm. couldn't sit here and blame her dad because he's not here anymore and there's no way for her to she has to put that hurt and pain on someone and so it it unfortunately falls on the Sonia and I get it. Like, I get it because I've been in, I've come from a divorced parents. I've been in a situation where my dad cheated on my mom and you just, not that you misplace things, but your feelings, but you obviously want to blame the person that came in between the relationship. So I can completely relate to January on this. You don't Mm -hmm. want to get to know the person that your parents had an affair with because they broke up your family without, Mm -hmm. not that Sonia, but Sonia, it's different for Sonia because she didn't actually break up the family. The dad did it. Right. Which is the same thing for my situation. My dad broke up my family. It wasn't the mistress or whoever it was. It was my dad that made the choices that he made. But you just want to place that anger on the person that he did it with. And blame Absolutely. them. And so I get it's it. It's very common. I get it. To blame yeah. that person. I think what I was missing is just maybe a little paragraph after all this where January admits to herself that she was blaming the wrong person. That she oh, was I misplacing agree. that blame. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So January is just stewing in her feelings because all of this shit is happening. And Gus goes radio silent. The last time she saw him, he's running off to like see what his ex-wife wants he attempts to call her a couple times but doesn't really make that much of an effort so she just assumes that everything is imploding all at once gus is gone the last part of her dad is gone but like a true rom-com gus 
decides to win her back with a bang and he sees her outside in the pouring rain and he plays the music like say anything with the boombox above the head but it's too loud and she can't hear him and he's like i didn't really think this through and she's hysterical crying and there's probably snot everywhere and they're all soggy and they could barely see each other but still i melted I absolutely melted. I know. And it was such timing because the song he does is Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. And she just passed. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this hurts even more. And I also cried during this because it was like, it's just, you know, you you get that happily ever after ending that like you're looking that you know that you're going to get through the book. But I liked it. And he's just like, and, you know, there's like that quote when he's like, you're absolutely like my most my most favorite person. And I'm like, that's like the kind of relationship you want to be in. And you want you want your significant other to be your most favorite person. Or like mm-hmm. when he says, like, when I watch you sleep, I get overwhelmed. And I'm like, I get that. Like, I, I know mm-hmm. that feeling that he's talking about. And so it was just I liked how real this whole thing the this didn't feel like a like a scripted romance you know what i mean you know like when you get like yes. an ending like the way that the author wrote the dialogue for this and the things that they say those are actual experiences and feelings that i can relate to where it's not just like all rainbows and butterflies so i really and at the same time it still felt like gus in january like he Mm -hmm. is doing this thing that he's like oh no this is what they do in the rom-coms and she's hysterical crying and he just is holding her while she's crying which has happened three thousand times in the book and Mm -hmm. he has to be like maybe i made a mistake because i can't hear you and you know what i mean like it's just so them Mm -hmm. and i just think it's a really great full circle moment yeah me too so then we get to the next chapter and it says nine months later and i was like don't you fucking dare Emily Henry, don't you dare. But it's not what you think. They finished their <laughs> what, books. Preg- a, a pregnancy trope. <laughs> yeah. I was like, nine months? Are you kidding me? So I got a little scared right there because I was about to throw the book. But yeah. they finished their books. In the end, they didn't fully commit to the other style of writing. Mm-hmm. Gus's book ends with a couple finally escaping a cult, but a meteor strikes Earth and they die, which he <laughs> argues is a happy ending. I know. And January's book ends with the Carney family driving off into the distance, but she has to write the last line of the wildflowers promising beauty in their dark world. Mm-hmm. Which is still, it's nice because it, they, they, they did... They did the task, but they made it themselves instead of instead exactly. of doing something that wouldn't be them. So it's like they, they did it. They just did it mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, and- I actually loved it. I liked how they were true to themselves. And it showed that the genre has nothing to do with it. It's about the writer. It's about the interpretation. It's about putting part of themselves into the story. Mm-hmm. And I think January sold first, but Gus's sold for more money. Yes, I think that was the consensus okay. that I got. Yeah, so they we don't get too much resolution on that. They don't go through the whole like loser thing. Yeah. But, but you know they read that, each other's but I don't books. Think that and... was, I don't think that was ever the point of the bet. You know what I mean? Because Gus, like I think in the really? book, like says, you know, it was just kind of like he. There was a part in the book that now I, I literally can't remember. But I think I know they had the bet with each other, but I don't think that that was. It, the bet kind of fell through throughout the book. I felt like it really didn't mm-hmm. matter as much. It was more about them just being back in each other's lives and just being mm-hmm. happy and proud of each other. And working through their own shit, which they did. Yes. 
Yeah. So they've been dating this whole time. And on his birthday, which used to mark the worst day, he does a surprise party with everyone they love. And he proposes to January. And she says, yes, the end. What'd you think of this ending? I liked it because I liked it because Gus has had this love for January ever since college. And he just never because of his narcissistic outlook on life and her positive outlook on life. He obviously just never thought that it would go anywhere. And he didn't think that he he basically didn't think he was good enough for her is more or less what Mm -hmm. it was. He didn't think that he could make he wanted her to be as happy as possible. And he thought that his tragedy and his life and his his personality would bring her down and he didn't want to diminish her light. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that, you know, of course, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, I loved you all along, you know, and it's, it took all yeah. these years for us to figure it out that we both actually really are perfect together. So I really liked, I liked the buildup of their story a lot. Yeah. And I like that they explained because January was so shocked that he had been married. And Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, so someone else was worthy of tying Mm -hmm. him down. But I wasn't. But they do explain that that Naomi was so independent. And he didn't really have to take care of her feelings. He didn't really have to worry about her feelings like they were just two separate people living their lives together. And so that's why he thought that he would never be the right person for January, Mm -hmm. because he knows that she needs more than that. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought I wanted more. I felt like it was a little too wrapped up with a little bow. I thought it could have been a little more developed or detailed like that that nine months in between, you know, mm-hmm. where their relationship is growing because it's like all of a sudden they're kissing in the rain and then they're engaged. Well, but I guess that's how it goes. I saw something on Goodreads today that she actually did like an extra epilogue for Beach Read called Layover, mm-hmm. which I think is like an extra little thing. So maybe that will give you the clarity you're looking for. <laughs> Okay. All right. We'll see. Um, Okay. Now let's talk about the writing because you texted me early on that you really liked her writing style. And I want to see if you still feel the same way. I do. That was probably one of, because I've been reading the, the past couple romance novels that I've read have been more of the, I mean, yeah, like they're like the smutty books, but they've been, there's not as much depth and I liked the depth of this book. Like it was a romance novel, but it was so much more than that. And I relate more to those type of, I appreciate those books more so than I do the other ones. Not that I don't love the other ones. I love all of, I love all romance books. I'm not going to discriminate. Yeah. But the way that, the way that Emily Henry, this was my first Emily Henry book. I have her other ones, but this is the first one I read. And she's definitely going to be a go-to author for me because I just really enjoyed her writing style. Yeah, I did and I didn't. For 80% of it, I loved it. I loved her conversational writing and the banter and the way that she developed Mm -hmm. these characters was all so good. But if you took out every paragraph where January describes in excruciating detail Gus's face and micro expressions, this book would be half the length. I understand that. I understand. It's starting that. And to I get a I, little weird. I can get behind that because I understand sometimes authors can overdo it with that and they're trying to obviously make it have you picture what the situation is. But I do understand you don't need to keep describing his face. We can understand what his face looks like. So I I, yeah. can, I understand that. <laughs> it was just a little too repetitive and it didn't go with the rest of her yeah, writing. Probably you know what I mean? because I read romance novels pretty often. 
that didn't even phase me because mm-hmm. of everything else that I read that I, I'm just used to it. So if someone like you who doesn't read romance novels often, it's kind of thrown in there once in a while. I can understand why that would t- that would give you the ick. <laughs> yeah, like I was just like, okay, we fucking get it. He has like half a smirk on his face. But anyway, so... What do you think about their transformations throughout the book? We talked about it a little bit, but we'll start with Gus. I think Gus's transformation was one of my favorite things about the book because he was, like we said, like he's, he's a pessimist and he had such a shitty life from the get-go and he's in the middle of a divorce. So his life is just not great and... He ends up reconnecting with the person that he had this unrequited love for. And then it ends up completely turning his life around for the positive. But he had to do a lot of inner work to even allow himself to feel that he was good enough for January. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciated the turnaround of his character. Because like I said in the beginning, I didn't, I was not expecting his character to go the way he did. And I liked that. I liked that I wasn't... Because half the time you kind of read about, you can see who a character is. You're like, okay, I get where this is going to go. His character, I didn't see the way that his route went. Wasn't expected for me. And I liked that. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that a lot of times they'll confront their trauma and then immediately switch and... Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they're a completely different person. I like that his was a much more natural feeling. It was much more gradual. He obviously was changing and his walls were coming down bit by bit. We don't truly see how far he comes in terms of overcoming his past trauma because we're seeing it from January's point of view. Mm -hmm. So there is still so much more that we could have gotten from him, but you still see the fact that he's really confronting that. And realizing that he has the power over his own life. Yeah. Which is a big deal. I agree. And January. What about her transformation? I feel like she... I don't know that I feel that she actually had a transformation, if I'm if I'm honest. I think that she... Because she's, she's the same person that she was at the end of the book that she was at the beginning of the book. Whereas Gus is a whole new person. I feel like January didn't change. I feel, the, I feel that the purpose of January's story was her process of her grief and realization that things in life aren't always what they seem. This is funny. I disagree a little bit. I Mm -hmm. loved her transformation. I thought that she went from head in the clouds, love can save anyone, to a miserable grump who's stuck in this rut. And then she comes out on the other side more balanced and ultimately more mature. So she knows that there can be darkness and life can be shitty, but she also knows that people in your life, her best friend, her mom, now Gus, they can fill that void for you. And I think the biggest change is that she realized that even if that happiness is only temporary and it's complicated as hell, it's still happiness and you have to take it for what it's worth. So that part I liked. Yeah, that's it's true. So my uh, last and most important question What's your favorite rom-com? Book or movie? Movie. Oh, sorry. I should have specified. Movie. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, God, there's like, you can't ask me this because I've loved so them. many. I've, there's so many and I've watched them all. And like, I think we, and I think we've talked about this on like a previous one of like the bookish banter episodes, how they don't really make rom-coms anymore. Mm-hmm. The 90s and the early 2000s was coming out with those prime 
Like, although one of my favorite ones from like the past five years, I don't know if you've watched it on Netflix, set it up with Zoe Deutsch and um, Glenn Powell. No, but I saw this online everywhere when I was looking at it. Oh my God, no, it's literally one of my favorite rom-coms. Please watch it. But in the past, oh my God. Okay. I really was obsessed with No Strings Attached with Ashton Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman. Really? And also 10 Things I Hate About You. I thought you were going to say 10 Things I Hate About You. If I had to bet money, that's what I was going to bet on. It's 10 Things I Hate About You is probably the number one spot. But I also was very obsessed with No Strings Attached. And I've watched it multiple times. (laughs) That is so funny. I never would have guessed that one. Hmm. All right. 10 Things I Hate About You is is prime. 10 Things I Hate About You is literally amazing. It's like a gem. I mean, all-star cast incredible i love yeah. it that's my that's my second my favorite is obviously clueless yes. one of my favorite movies of all time <laughs> has my one true love paul rudd i have absolutely no notes for the movie it's flawless even with the step sibling romance i will accept no criticism thank you oh wait crap i had no way i have a third one <laughs> what is wait, it I but i was also obsessed with i know you should give me like a top five. Oh my god wait how to lose a guy in 10 days incredible incredible so, so that's good another one that i me and my sister quote the love fern part all the time <laughs> that's a really good one i've seen that probably a thousand times uh-huh. like it's so good and also anything with drew barrymore but it's like i wouldn't yeah. be able to narrow down a specific no. drew barrymore movie Mm-mm. or reese witherspoon i wouldn't be able to narrow it down no, i can't i mean sweet home alabama top tier but that's not even a rom i don't yeah. really i guess it could be considered a rom-com i think it's a rom-com We'd have to have like 10 different categories with like oddly specific tropes in order to narrow this down. Yeah. But we did our best. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> anything else you want to discuss before we get to our rating? Uh, no, I think that this was, we covered the two characters and how great they are. <laughs> <laughs> All of the crazy shit that you weren't expecting from Beach Read. Which I'll never with get no over beach it. and no reading until yeah. the very oh. the epilogue is when the beach and the reading yes. happens. Exactly. And they could have just as well read that anywhere else. Although, wait, there was one little thing that I liked that Gus read all of January's books. Mm -hmm. And she was like shook by that because she like avoided she avoided reading his books because she was like, no, he was such a dick Mm -hmm. to me in college. And he doesn't believe in, like, happy ever afters. And he calls me fairy princess. But he was like, he like quoted her her dedication to from her first book and everything to back mm-hmm. to her. And I was like, this dude is so fucking in love with you. Like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And it was so subtly done the way that he has been obsessed with her since college, which mm-hmm. I really liked because that could have gotten so cheesy. Mm-hmm. But instead, it was just like, like you said, he just randomly said that he read her books. It was and like, then t- yeah, it was like tiny revelations. Fucking, mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like, no, like, ever since that night and she's like oh yeah like that night at the book club and he's like no that night at the frat party and you're like oh mm-hmm. oh dear yeah okay so our rating scale is bottles of purse wine i love that <laughs> <laughs> so how many bottles of purse wine are you giving i mean the, this shouldn't be a shocker but i gave it five bottles of purse wine <laughs> It was a really, it was a really good rom- romantic novel. I was super, super into it. There was nothing that I disliked about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was, it was great. I really can't wait to read her other books. 
So I'm really excited to eventually get to those ones. And yeah, I, just I love that. It was great. Mm-hmm. I love that you weren't deterred by the title of this book. Anyway, so my original <laughs> rating was three and a half bottles of purse wine when I first finished it. But okay. revisiting it, I'm actually bumping my score to four bottles of purse wow. wine. Wow. Yeah, I loved the plot because it was so unexpected. The witty banter, the non-cheesy romance, and the way that this book really tackled hard issues Mm -hmm. like grief and cheating and divorce and cancer was amazing. But the pacing was really, really off for me. So I know, I know that this is how it goes. It has a super slow start which is not the issue. I thought the ending was really rushed when it could have played out for a little longer, especially after they finally get together and decide to take a chance on each other. I felt like there could have just been a little bit more so it didn't feel like the payoff was so quick to come. You know what I mean? I actually or the ending was so yeah. quick to come. I can I can actually see where you're coming from. And that's I got to I'm going to be honest with you, that's pretty common. That's pretty common in, yeah. in, in books because you have the build up, you have the, you know, the all that in the beginning and you have the middle and then there's always something that happens that causes them to to break up or to have something stupid happen and then they get Mm -hmm. back together so i completely get it but that is it's just it's fairly common i feel like it's hard to pace a romance novel even if it was just a couple extra pages in that last chapter instead of just being like yep i sold the house and i live in an apartment and he comes to my apartment all the time and yep now we're happy like even just a couple extra pages of that yeah but i definitely want to read her other books because i i really did like it i just Mm -hmm. couldn't love it that's fair you don't have to love every book we read we know this that's true and i am shocked at how much was stuffed and crammed into this book and how many things it tackled and how much there was to discuss from the cover and the title i truly thought (laughs) this was gonna be a flighty book you know what i mean honestly Honestly, when I act when I when I was reading it, I was like, "This is not at all what I was expecting." But it was nice. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Which I am really happy about because mm-hmm. it was actually a lot deeper than I thought. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. anything else to add? No. All right. Well, that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening. It will really help us out a lot. If you have any book recommendations, questions for us, if you want to discuss this book further with us, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also be sure to follow us on socials, TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.